Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. And what a privilege, what an honor to spend this Easter 2023 with you. So happy Easter. And um, I'm believing that God has something to speak to every one of us individually today. So let's get rolling. It was a little over 15 years ago. A little over 15 years ago. It was a Saturday. But I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was, I was in a friend's house in his living room. And there I was sitting, and I remember I was looking at the TV. I was captured, captivated by the TV, and I was watching Tiger Woods putt. And to the right of me was the front door. And I looked over quickly because I thought someone was coming in, but no one was there. And I I looked back once again because I wanted to see this moment in the golfing world. But then my eye was captured again, and I looked over. And the moment I looked over, no longer did I care anything about what Tiger was doing on the TV because of who just walked in. Now, I didn't know the person who walked in. And frankly, I didn't care who the person was that walked in. What I cared about was what was around her arm. Now, if you know Pastor Scott... You'll know that there's something I don't mess around with. You know there's something that I don't think is funny. There's something that, that for me is kind of over the top. And what I saw around her wrist was that. It was a whitish, yellowish, what seemed like a 10 foot long, even though I know it wasn't, snake. And once again, if you know me, this would have captured my attention. And I don't know how you would respond in that moment, but let me tell you how I responded in less than a second. It was, a, it was a, just a quick moment. I jumped up off the couch, and I ran out of the living room. I ran through the kitchen. I ran through the backyard. And before I found myself gathering a little bit of composure, I had reached the fence that divided my friend's house and the neighbor sitting on top, wondering, what do I do now? Wondering, what do I do now? Now, I'll tell you, like, to defend myself a little bit, I'll say my first reaction was because of my fear of snakes. And if you're around One Hope, you know this already. I'm a bit irrational. I'm a bit dramatic, like I'll admit it. But that wasn't the only reason that I was scared. See, the reason I was very scared was because I didn't really trust my friends, because I've had friends, or what they called themselves was my friends, but they didn't really act like friends when it came to snakes. I've been, I've been kind of um, um, jumped or, or surprised with snakes. I felt like I've been trapped in a corner of snakes. I've even had someone who, who, who put a snake in a cooler, shook it up a little bit, then asked for a drink. Like, like this is what friends do. I need better friends. So not that day. It was not going to happen. No, I was on that fence, and and I had a decision to make in this moment. Was I going to trust my friends and their their angle of what they were going to do and go back into the house? Or was I going to come on the other side of the fence and get as much space as possible? I had a decision to make that day as I stood on the fence. Over these next few weeks... We're going to have conversations like this. 
We're going to have conversations of, of what do on-the-fence moments mean. Because you don't have your snake story, I'm sure. You're probably not as dramatic as I am. You're probably not as irrational as I am. I get it. But you have your stories, right? You have your on-the-fence moments in life where you have to make a decision. We all have to decide at different moments in life which side of the fence are we going to live on. And part of this conversation you're going to hear over and over, whatever side of the fence you choose will dictate direction and outcomes for your life. Whatever you decide, the decisions you make, the side of the fence you decide to land on will dictate outcomes and directions for your life. Because our choices, our decisions do matter. Now the hard part of decisions is that when we're forced to make them, we don't always have all the information that we want to have. We always don't know what's on the other side of the decisions. They don't know where they're always going to lead us, but I'll tell you, that doesn't take away the responsibility of some of these decisions we have to make. So I want to invite you, not just today. I know we're here for Easter. I, I want to invite you just for today. I want to invite you in this journey that we're going to have that, uh, of looking at some of the most important decisions we're going to have to make in life. Because I promise you, I think it will make an impact. But here we are for Easter 2023, and I bet you will guess which story I'm going to go to. And what if I told you you're wrong? That I want to go a couple thousand years before our Easter story with Jesus. I want to go a couple thousand years before. I want to talk about a man who had a decision to make. A man that kind of stood on a fence or sat on a fence like I did that day at my friend's house. And I was go he was going to fall on one side or the other. And the decision he is going to make will set the trajectory for the rest of his life. I want to talk a man about a man that we see 22 chapters into the book of Genesis. And so if you've got your Bibles or got your phones, you want to follow on the screen, I want to tell you a story about a man who made a decision of what side of the fence was he going to fall off of. Genesis chapter 22. Can I read it for you? Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and took with him two of the servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Now on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And so he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said this to his father Abraham. Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, 
uh, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took a knife and, uh, to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you did not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. And he went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, if you've heard this story, you've grown up in church, you had Sunday school, maybe you know this part of Abraham's story, you know this on-the-fence moment is a pivotal moment for his life. But just like him, he has a story that comes before the moment. He has moments that have led up to this moment. And to understand why this is such a big moment, what is happening in his life, we kind of have to go back a little bit. We have to remind ourselves what happened to Abraham before this moment. So let me just do a quick review for you. When Abraham was 75 years old, he had a conversation with God. Now, we had a conversation with God because um, he and his wife were just so upset. He was 75, she was 65, and they did not have a child. And this was such a big deal to them. And, and they begin to explain to God, like, God, we want to have someone we can leave what we've built up in life. We want to leave it behind, and we don't have anybody but our servants. And so God, in reply, says, I hear you. This is what I'm going to ask from you. I want you to take your life, and I want you to go on a journey I've somewhere else for you. And where you go, I will build your name up. I will make you have descendants that follow behind you. So that's what Abraham did. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, at the time, she, they, they go on this journey, and, and they go and begin their life. And lots of life happens, but we skip ahead 10 years. And you know wasn't what hasn't happened yet? They still don't have a baby. And you begin to see this conversation with them and God because there's anger that's kind of bubbling up. There's frustration that's kind of bubbling up. There's confusion because it's kind of like, God, you said this. Why haven't you followed up? And so in that moment of confusion, in that moment of, God, but I thought you said... They devise their own plan, and this is an important part of their story. They devise their own plan. And what Abraham and Sarah decide is that they're, they're, they're going to kind of do things their own way, and Abraham is going to try to have a baby with their servant, Hagar. So they activate this plan, and the reality is it worked. 
When Abraham was 86 years old, they have a baby and they name him Ishmael. Now, we could go down that road, and there's a lot of stuff down that road of like kind of what happens because they decide to do their own way, but we can't go down there today. We need to, we need to jump ahead 13 more years. Life has happened for 13 years. And God comes back to Abraham again. He re-engages a conversation with him again. And he says to him, Abraham, if you will follow me, and if you will live blameless, I will make nations out of you. I'll make you have descendants that come behind you, and I will give you the son that you have always wanted with your wife. How old is he now? 13 years, doing the math, he is 99. Sarah's 89 years old. And the Bible actually tells us in this moment that they think this is ridiculous. Like, this is the silliest thing. Like, we're, we're trying to trust you, God. We're trying to listen to you, God. But this is ridiculous. I'm 99. Uh, my wife is 89. We're not having a kid. But they're trying to trust God, and so they do. And a year later, it's important to know about their story. A year later, he's 100. She's 90. And they have this baby, and they name the baby Isaac. And Isaac is the one they've always been waiting for. Isaac is the gift. Isaac is the one that God's going to keep his promise to Abraham through. Isaac's the one that gives them joy. Isaac's the one that gives them peace. Isaac's the one that gives them just th that their life almost is complete now. Like Isaac is it. And it's important for us to, to kind of recognize what has happened in Isaac being born. Because if we don't get how big of a deal this is, if we don't understand what Isaac meant to them, then Genesis 22 doesn't mean as much. To understand Genesis 22, we have to understand the rest of his story. Isaac is a huge deal. And so let's go back again to our story today. Abraham and Isaac have made it to the mountain. They've climbed the mountain. They've built the altar of worship. And now Abraham's in a place. He's in a place he has to make a choice. He's in a place he has to make a decision. In a place he has to fall off the fence One side or the other He has to choose Is he going to choose Isaac or is he going to choose God Is he going to choose himself Or is he going to choose God He has to make a choice Does he choose his dreams or does he choose God's plan Does he choose um, everything He's wanted or does he choose What God has decided for his life This is what's going on in Abraham Which side of the fence does he fall off what I want you to do in this moment is pretend I didn't read the rest of the story. I want you to pretend you don't know how this moment ends, this moment of tension for Abraham. I want you to pretend you are in Abraham's seat, and I want you to ask yourself, what would you do? What choice would you make? Which plan would you choose? And we think this is almost unimaginable. And we think this would never happen to us. We'd never have to make this choice. And maybe not the details of this story, but what I want to say to you is every day you have these on-the-fence moments in your life. And 
And sometimes you see how big the decisions are, but other times you don't even recognize how your decisions every day are making an impact on the rest of your life. Remember, the choices that we make, the side of the fence we decide to live on will dictate direction and outcomes for our lives. And so there Abraham is. Remembering, you are pretending you're him. You're in his seat. Imagine what it would be like to make this choice. You've got to put yourself in the seat of decision. And I think about Abraham, if I'm the one sitting there, probably the number one thing that I'm wrestling with is a very simple sentence, a very simple thought. Do I trust God this much? Have you ever been in a seat where you have to ask yourself, do I trust God this much? Now remember, we don't know the end of the story. Remember, we're pretending. We don't know how this outcome is. We're in the middle of the story. We're looking on. What is Abraham doing? What would you do? This is where we are. And we don't know which way he's going to go. And without knowing the end of the story, that's the reality. We don't know which way he would go. Because Abraham has been in this seat before. We don't know exactly how old Isaac is. A lot of people think somewhere between 15 and 25 years old. If that's his age, then we know 40 years before, God had to have a conversation with Isaac. And 40 years ago, the conversation between God and Abraham, God and Abraham, is God had given Abraham instructions in how to live. And the decision was put in his seat. Will you trust me with your life? Will you trust me with the outcomes? Will you trust me the direction I have? And what did Abraham do 40 years ago? He took life into his own hands. He determined 40 years ago that he didn't trust God enough. He decided, God, you weren't providing a child, then I'll do what I have to do to provide this. God, you're not following up on what you said you do, so I'll take matters into my own hands. And what we see, and we, we didn't look into the whole story, you can look back in Genesis, you'll see his life becomes a mess. It gets messy. He doesn't do it the way God has called him to do it. He doesn't trust God with his life, and life became a mess. And now here we are again with Abraham. He's in the seat of having to make a decision. And it's the seat that we sit in almost every day, having to decide who is going to win, what is going to win in my life today. These moments are pivotal moments that happen more than we recognize. And our choices often dictate outcomes in our life. But this actually was a unique moment for Abraham. It's unique because, uh, did you remember how he's, the story began? The very first sentence, maybe you forgot. Let me remind you, the very first sentence. Genesis 22.1 says, Sometime later... God tested Abraham. This didn't happen all the time. In this moment, it says God was testing Abraham. Now, I want to talk about that sentence real quick. Give my two cents on that sentence real quick. Because on first read, it seems like any other test 
that, 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 that God wants to just simply see, Abraham, what are you going to do? But hear me on this. God knows what Abraham is going to do. You know how I know that? Go Sunday school on this because he's God. Like, here he knows this, okay? Like, we know this. God already knows what he's going to do. And so I wonder if this test is more important for God to see what Abraham is going to do or for Abraham to see what he is going to do. Because for Abraham, Abraham has some failures in his life at this moment. Abraham has, some, has had some moments in his life where almost his, his confidence in God has, be, has been shook. Have you ever lived in life where your confidence has been shook? Have you ever had moments in your life where you have failed in something and you have lots of regrets? Or have you ever sat in a moment where you haven't done something before and you're not sure of yourself and so confidence is lacking? I'm wondering in this moment, if God wants to give a gift to Abraham, I'm wondering if God knows that what Abraham needs most is almost to experience a faith win, a trusting win. Because I'm wondering if this moment is a bigger moment than just this story. I'm wondering if this moment, and we never know when these moments come, but I wonder if this moment is the one that's going to set the course for the rest of Abraham's life, or if this is a moment that's going to set the course for the rest of Isaac's life. Just a 20-second timeout real quick. Parents, we never know. We never know when kids are watching how we will walk through life, and the decisions we make set the course for their lives as well. And I'm wondering if this moment, God needs Abraham to experience a win. That almost, that in this moment, if, if, if Abraham trusts God completely, then down the road, trusting God won't be as hard. You almost need to get that first win under your belt, where you go, God, I'm going to trust you. And you let God do what he said he would do. I'm wondering if this is the moment in Abraham's life where he begins to grow a confidence in God, because I'll tell you, when your confidence is not in God, things are different in your life. When we're not confident in God, I'll tell you that God can't be our provider because we are much more confident in being our own provider. When we do not have confidence in God, we begin to live a life where we become our own provider because really, I'm just a lot more comfortable in letting myself provide for my life. When I don't have confidence in God, I really don't allow him to be a savior because I'm more confident in being my own savior. Have you ever been that person? Be real with yourself. And how is your confidence in God right now? I'll tell you your confidence in God based upon how we operate when it's time to make decisions. How much are we letting God be part of the decision making in our life? Are we more confident in God or are we more confident in ourselves? 
And let me tell you, the problem when we get into a lifestyle of being confident ourselves, we will begin to enter a never-ending battle, a never-ending, stressful, tension-filled place. Like, like, have you ever walked through that place where you're like, I know I'm doing this by myself, and life just got a lot harder? I just feel the weight of the world. I don't have the peace. I don't have the joy. I know I'm not experiencing all that God has for me because I am doing things myself. And the reason we have tension, we have this battle, is because we were not created to be our own God. We were not wired to handle the weight of being our own God. Abraham has done this. Maybe God wants him to start learning to live a different way because when we learn to trust and obey, when we learn to trust and obey, it breaks through the self-inflicted limitations we put on ourselves because we've trusted ourselves more than God. And I think God wants to break through some of the bad habits that Abraham had, some of the failures that he's had, some of the things where he's decided to trust himself. And I'm wondering if this test is just as important for Abraham to see as it is for God to see. Because God has more for us. And God had more for Abraham. But sometimes we never experience all that God has for us because we settle for trusting ourselves versus trusting the God that says, hey, if you'll just come on my side of the fence, I've got more than you've ever experienced before. Will you just come on my side of the fence and just trust me for a change versus trusting yourself? This is the dynamic of Abraham and God. Now, if I was sitting in your seat this morning, I'd be wondering something. Scott, it's Easter. Your message is probably coming to a close. We haven't talked about Jesus yet. Are we ever getting to the Jesus part? And I would say to you, absolutely yes. I want to talk about Jesus on Easter, but I want to tell you this story of Abraham and God is such an important story in how we can view Easter, how we can view Jesus. See, this story in the Old Testament is almost a teaser to what's going to come in the New Testament. I mean, look at the details. God sends his son. This is the gospel. God sends his son to die for us. Because as a broken and sinful people, we need a sacrifice that will pay for our sins. And when we needed hope, God sends Jesus to be the greatest hope we could ever have. But I'm wondering if we can recognize in a moment that just like Abraham had an on-the-fence, pivotal moment, life-changing decision to be made, that Jesus had one of these as well. That we always know the end of the story but we forget the process of the story. That Jesus had an on-the-fence moment when he's in that garden and he knows what God has told him to do, just like Abraham. But this is a struggle because Jesus is going to sacrifice himself. And in this moment, he has to decide, am I going to follow through with what I know is God has told me to do? 
Am I going to do and, and, and follow through with the plan that God sent me here for? Can I tell you we're here today? Because of how Jesus responded in maybe the most pivotal moment of his life. We are celebrating Easter today because of how Jesus responded the most pivotal moment of his life, that out of obedience to God and his love for you, he decided to follow through with the plan that God had for his life. He decided in that garden, he said, God, the way I'm always going to go is the side of the fence that you have always called me to. The reason we get to celebrate Easter is because in one of the hardest moments of his life, he chose you and I. And so the clarity that I want us to have today is that because Abraham trusted God, on the other side of that was a victory he had never experienced before. He, he, he experienced the plans of God in his life. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was willing to walk through what God had called him to. On the other side of that was his victory in life. And on the other side of Jesus saying yes was the ultimate victory. That his victory was a victory for all of humanity. That all of humanity gets freedom. All of humanity gets hope. All of humanity gets love. All of humanity gets this like chain-breaking, like, like bondage-breaking like hopefulness in life. That today on Easter, for whatever reason you're here for, today we get to celebrate that when we choose Jesus, when we choose Jesus, no matter what comes to our life, we have a hope. And we, that means we have a hope of eternity, but that means we also have a hope of new life today. But Easter should also put us in another place. Easter should put us in a place where we don't just believe what Jesus did. We have to decide are we going to trust in Jesus today because of what he did. And can I tell you today that the choice is now in our hands. Abraham made his decision. Jesus made his decision. But we have the choice that's in our hands every single day. And for some of you, you have believed in Jesus as your Savior, but the choices still don't end there. That every day, you have to decide, are you going to not only believe in Jesus, are you going to trust Jesus? I'm going to trust Jesus with my house, my home, my marriage, my kids. I'm going to trust Jesus with my health, with, with things I'm wrestling with. I'm going to trust Jesus with my job, my finance. I'm going to trust Jesus... Um, with, with the big things and the little things. I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. We have a chance at Easter to kind of reconfirm, Jesus, I not only believe you died on the cross and rose again, I'm going to trust you because you died on the cross and rose again. I'm going to give you my life because you gave your life and died on the cross and rose again. That I'm not just going to believe in what you did, I'm going to believe you're the best thing for my life. That there's nothing better in this world to trust than you. That I won't trust myself, I will trust you, even though I'm tempted so often to to be my own provider, to be my own savior, to be my own answer. I will trust in you. You may believe Jesus as your savior, but do you trust him? But to be, the reality is that maybe there's people who you 
haven't believed in Jesus as your Savior. You haven't ever given your life to him. And you may not have known this, but today is a on-the-fence kind of moment for you. That in life, we don't have a decision. We don't have a choice to stay on the fence. We're going to go on one side or the other, and you are going to choose yourself or you're going to choose Jesus. It's as simple as that in life. And maybe you've chosen yourself one time too often. And not because of anything I've said, but I'll tell you it's because God has been drawing you to him. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. Maybe it's a moment of I want to trust you with my life and I want to stop choosing myself. Maybe today is that day for you. But either way, Easter 2023 puts us in a place of choosing. What side of the fence are you going to fall on? Who or what are you going to trust this year starting today? Decisions are coming your way every day. Where's your confidence in God that you can trust him? I'm telling you, the death and resurrection of Jesus is enough for me to say, God, I want to trust you. Am I perfect in this? Like, come on. But I know that I want to trust you every day. And so my prayer for us is, whether it's your life or maybe it's parts of your life, that you'll stop trusting yourself and you'll give that to God. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.